You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kalia LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Hello and welcome to Pandora's Box. This is Kalia. And today, the topic of the podcast is the real law of attraction in relationships. Why am I attracting this? There's a lot of information floating around that our thoughts create our reality. And what you think about, you bring about. Although this sounds reasonable on many levels, it's not the true truth. If you're someone who's asking the question, why am I attracting this in my life, then you will want to stay tuned. If you truly wish to change your life, you need to understand what got you to where you are today, because you are a sum of your life experiences and your subconscious programs. What was in your consciousness in the past has a lot to do with why you are where you are today. In this episode, I'm going to focus on two different law of attraction principles that aren't often talked about. One is that we create our reality from our subconscious programs, not our thoughts. And two is your sole purpose must be considered in attracting your new reality. So let's talk about how our subconscious programs are what is primarily responsible for creating your current reality. I've talked a lot about core wounds. Most of my work has core wound healing at the root because our core wounds are largely responsible for what shows up in our reality. A core wound is a wound that is incurred in early childhood that ends up being encoded as a belief. The most common core wounds are, I'm not enough, or I'm not good enough. I am bad, I'm not worthy, I'm not lovable, and there's something wrong with me. Children will most often interpret painful circumstances of early childhood as being their own fault. So if a parent is abusive, they will most likely believe it's because they are bad and they deserved it. They deserve to be punished. So they end up with this core belief, I am bad, which commingles with the belief, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. There's something wrong with me. I'm not lovable. All these stem from that same experience. When we have a core belief we are bad, we also believe we deserve to be punished. As a child, when you were told you were bad, there was often a punishment. Our little minds will interpret, I'm bad as I'm not worthy or deserving of love. Many of these core beliefs co-mingle together And many are universal, which means that most people have some combination 
of these beliefs in their subconscious programming. If you have a belief, I'm not worthy of love, this belief is a subconscious program. It's core. It's encoded in the subconscious belief system. The law of attraction will bring to you a reflection of your core beliefs. So you may end up attracting one person after the next who triggers the feeling of being unworthy of love. It could be someone who is abusive or just someone who doesn't give you the time of day. But the result is almost always feeling that deep unworthiness. As long as the unworthiness is in your unconscious and you aren't fully aware that it's there, you'll constantly feel the pain of your unworthiness being mirrored back to you from your primary relationships and your life circumstance. If you have a history of attracting one abusive relationship after another, it will only further reinforce the idea that you are unworthy or unworthy of love. The reality is probably more likely that you are bringing into your reality people who are equally unconscious of their core wounds and even people who have the same core wounds you do. Only their way of dealing with their unconscious core wounds is to project them onto others. Because we live in a world of polarity, that person may polarize towards blaming others where you may polarize towards blaming yourself. The danger of this dynamic is that the person who's blaming themselves is experiencing double the blame and shame. When the people you love the most are pointing the finger at you and saying it's all your fault, and you already have a belief in your subconscious that you are to blame, you're much more likely to accept the projections of others. So when your partner tells you it's all your fault that the relationship is failing, you may simply think to yourself, it probably is. It's probably true. Even if you don't believe it consciously, you may still believe it subconsciously. Now, conscious beliefs are simply those beliefs that you are aware of. Subconscious beliefs beliefs are the beliefs that you are unaware of. So when I tell a person they probably have a belief that they are the one to blame, they will often say to me, oh no, I don't believe that that's true. But the reality is they simply are not aware of the subconscious belief because it's hidden from their awareness. The key to creating the life you want is to become self-aware and also to become self-loving. The more you are aware of what is going on inside of you, the more you'll be able to see why you're creating what you are creating. And the more you love yourself, the less you will allow people into your life who don't treat you with kindness and respect. Now, we can't control life or influence every part of our life, circumstances present themselves. We all have these life lessons that show up and we need to rise to the challenge 
to deal with every circumstance life throws us. Not everything is within our control. In fact, there's actually very little that is within our control, except how we approach our own healing and how we react and respond to the circumstances of life. Those two things can make a world of difference in what shows up in our reality. When you're able to upgrade your core beliefs from I'm not worthy and I don't deserve to be loved to I am worthy and I do deserve to be loved, you will notice different types of people showing up in your life. But when you first begin to really make that change by practicing self-awareness and self-love, you may feel uncomfortable with the change because it's not familiar. We develop a strange comfort with familiarity. If you come from abuse and have only attracted abusive relationships, this is what is familiar. So if someone comes into your life and treats you with kindness and respect, you may not trust that person right away. Or you may not feel attracted to that person because he or she isn't triggering your this feels so familiar chemistry. We often interpret the this feels so familiar chemistry as love or attraction. It's not. Familiarity does not equal love. On the contrary, you may never have experienced real love and kindness in your life. And so when it shows up, it may feel very uncomfortable and you may not trust it. You need to have a conscious understanding of what is familiar to you which is what your life has always been. You need to be willing to try something new and different, something unfamiliar to bring about a different result. For example, if you've always dated a certain type of person, you may want to try dating someone completely different. And when I say completely different, I mean someone who you don't feel that familiar chemistry with. It may feel very strange in the beginning, but as you spend more time moving out of your comfort zone or familiar zone, you make a new experience familiar and the old unfamiliar. Marissa Peer, a well-known psychologist, talks about the concept of familiar versus unfamiliar and encourages those wanting to change their life to make the unfamiliar familiar and the familiar unfamiliar. Now, we can set our intention of what we want to attract in our life, and this is great. You can set your intention to attract a great relationship and write down everything you want in a relationship. I encourage this as I believe setting intentions is really powerful. But what happens once you set your intention? You really need to become aware of what's getting in your way. So you can have an intention to find a great relationship, and as you start dating, you find you're attracting nothing but narcissists, for example. You may realize that you had a narcissistic parent or parents, and that is what was familiar to you. Or you may discover that because of circumstances of life, you incurred a pretty deep abandonment wound or a pretty deep rejection wound. And so you find yourself getting involved with people who 
leave you feeling abandoned and rejected. When you understand your core wounds and how they're being triggered in your relationships, you can begin to change your tolerance for behaviors that you once tolerated. You begin to make healthier choices for yourself and say no to behavior that although might be familiar to your inner child, are no longer acceptable to your informed adult. People I work with will often tell me that they have a pattern of attracting narcissistic people into their lives. As I learn more about them, they may say something like, I've dated several men who showed signs of narcissism, and I would end the relationship a couple months in, only to find myself dating another guy with narcissistic tendencies. I explain that saying no to the old pattern is a way of changing the pattern, so don't beat yourself up for attracting a narcissistic or unhealthy person into your life. Instead, give yourself some praise for no longer tolerating that behavior and ending the relationship. When you do this, you're informing your subconscious mind that you are no longer a match for this kind of person. And you will begin to detect the behavior sooner and sooner until you no longer find these types of personalities showing up in your reality in any significant way. This is the process of making the familiar unfamiliar. Now, you will need to work on getting comfortable with someone treating you really well on a consistent basis. Consistency is key here. If someone is really amazing the first couple weeks or months and then flips a switch and starts acting strange or mistreating you, don't try and get that person to go back to where they were in the beginning. Chances are the beginning was merely a seduction or what we call love bombing. And the person they switch to is how that person will show up moving forward. I can't tell you how many people fell in love with the illusion and spent years, even decades, trying to recover the illusion from the very beginning of the relationship. When you can recognize the love bombing stage was merely an illusion, you can learn to let go and go in search of something real. Often when I talk to people coming out of narcissistic relationships, they will tell me there were so many good times even throughout the relationship. And I asked them to tell me, on an average, the percentage of the relationship that was good. And commonly, I might hear about 20 to 25%. I asked them if they really want a relationship that is 75 to 80% negative, bad, or abusive in order to have 20 to 25% good. When they hear me ask this question, and are able to digest it, they always say no. I mean, who really wants a relationship that is 75 to 80% negative and destructive? What you're looking for is 80% or more good, with a little bit of a margin for some growing challenges, arguments, disagreements, and behaviors that can be normal for even a healthy relationship. If you're consistently getting treated respectfully and kindly, you are entering the healthy zone. 
If you're consistently being treated disrespectfully and unkindly, you're in the toxic zone. Even 20% abusive behavior is too much as far as I'm concerned. When I say 80% good and 20% bad, I'm not talking about your partner treating you badly 20% of the time, but you may find yourself feeling bad as your core wounds are triggered and you work through some differences and insecurities on both sides. That's a normal part of growing. We, we have some real challenges emotionally. We don't just get healthy and then move into healthy relationships where everything is 100% bliss. This would be unrealistic. Primary relationships can be our biggest triggers, even if they are healthier. We always are learning and growing, and we don't stop learning and growing in our relationships. The key is to find someone who's capable of learning and growing and not someone who shucks all emotional responsibility in the relationship, projects the blame onto you, and punishes you for his or her own behavior. Instead, you want to find someone who can take responsibility for his or her part in an issue, who's not afraid to apologize, and who will learn from their mistakes. That's what it means to grow, is to learn from our mistakes. We all need to remain connected to ourselves and never give ourselves away in our relationships. We need to take responsibility for ourselves and be willing to be the person we wish to attract into our lives. So when you make your list of qualities and characteristics that you're looking for in a relationship, you'll need to be honest with yourself and ask yourself if you currently possess the same qualities that you're looking for. If the answer is no, then you probably want to work on developing some of those qualities. An example might be finances. If you are financially strapped but looking for a mate who is financially secure or wealthy, then you're likely looking for someone to take responsibility for your financial life. And in this day and age, this isn't really healthy. However, if you're a woman who wants to be a stay-at-home mom and find a man who's financially secure enough to support a family who also believes in the values of having one parent at home with the children, that, that's a different story. You're not going to start out your relationship on that um, financial imbalance, however. If you are Overweight and unhealthy, but looking for someone healthy and fit, you may want to work on becoming healthy and fit. If you're looking for an emotionally healthy partner and you're emotionally fragile and reactive, you will want to work on becoming an emotionally healthy partner. Becoming what you wish to attract is also an important part of attracting the right person into your life. Now, the second part of the law of attraction I want to talk about is soul purpose. We all come into this life with a soul purpose. When you're in alignment with your soul purpose, your life feels purposeful. You feel like you're making a positive contribution in life. You feel that you're utilizing your greatest gifts and talents. 
you like what you're doing with your life and you feel good about your direction. However, if you're not aligned with your soul purpose, you're going to feel it. You may feel depressed, off track, lost, and lacking in any sense of drive or purpose. If you're someone who always has done what you thought you should or done what your parents or society expected of you, you're not likely going to be happy or fulfilled unless you have somehow found your purpose in your pursued direction. We're not here to do what others want us to do. Our life is our gift, and we need to use it wisely. This means we need to learn to follow our heart and our soul's calling. If you're trying to attract a million dollars and by life giving you a million dollars, you would not fulfill your purpose in life, you're not likely going to attract that million dollars, no matter what kinds of laws of attraction techniques you use. It would just be a distraction. And as you probably know, most lottery winners do not have an increase in happiness and well-being. If they're living in lack consciousness, they're likely going to blow through their money very quickly and go back to being exactly who they were prior to winning. Sometimes the negative experiences in our life take us towards our life purpose. In my life, for example, all my negative experiences, such as my eating disorder and my narcissistic relationships, made me who I am today and gave me a much greater sense of purpose. Through my own experiences with narcissistic abuse, I'm able now to help others to extract themselves from these kinds of relationships and heal from the abuse. Doing this work is completely in alignment with my purpose to be of service to others and help them to heal. Had I not gone through my own painful experiences, I would not be equipped to help others. There's a spiritual belief that we are born into dysfunctional families in order to help society heal from its dysfunction. And this feels very true for me. I feel a strong sense of purpose to help society to heal from its toxicity and dysfunction. All of my dysfunctional relationships provided the insight and education necessary to be of the highest service to humanity. If a negative experience comes into your life and you end up being better, stronger, and wiser as a result, then that experience has not only served you in some way, but it likely will serve and inspire others to overcome their own struggles and hardships. If something you believe you want goes against your deeper internal sense of purpose, it will be much more difficult to manifest the thing that you say you want. So it's important to really get clear about what your soul purpose is and look at how what you're wanting to manifest in your life resonates or is in alignment with that soul purpose. Now on the topic of your thoughts creating your reality, Negative thinking does definitely affect your life in negative ways because your thoughts can plant seeds in your subconscious and those seeds can sprout as beliefs. It's really your beliefs, however, that have 
the most powerful influence on what shows up in your life. Developing the ability to observe your thoughts is really helpful in changing your experience. Your thoughts can inform you as to what your core beliefs are. You may have the thought, I'm so stupid, or they must really think I'm a bad person. You may have the thought, I hate my life, or nothing ever goes right for me. If you think these kind of thoughts enough, they become subconscious programs, if they aren't already subconscious programs. When we become aware of our thoughts, we can change them. When we hear ourselves say, nothing ever goes right for me, we can jump in and say, now that's not true. A lot of things go right for you. Just yesterday, you received that surprise check in the mail and heard from an old friend you haven't talked to in a long time. So you learn to start counting your blessings, looking for what is good in your life. Our minds can be conditioned to go to what is bad because that's what we're used to. That's what's familiar. And so you have to retrain your brain, so to speak, to go to what is good, the good things that happen in your day. That's one of the benefits of doing the count your blessing exercise in the evening before bed to look at what went well in your life today. What, what is good about your life? What are you grateful for? What are you thankful for? Because that keeps your mind moving in a direction of positivity, looking for what is good. Then the mind learns to seek out and search for the good instead of the negative. You can change your thought patterns by interrupting the thought and changing it with a positive thought. Positive thinking does influence your reality and makes life a lot more enjoyable. But you can think positive on a conscious level and still attract your relationships from your negative core wounds. You can begin to turn negative core wounds around by changing your thinking so that you inform your subconscious of a new truth. For example, for the core wound, I'm unlovable. Whenever you have a thought that stems from a belief that you are unlovable, you can say, now that's not true. I am lovable. Lots of people love me. I love myself. If you consistently did this for 30 days, you would change your belief that you are unlovable and you would be healing that core wound. The key is to stay on top of those thoughts by practicing mindfulness on a daily basis. Mindfulness is simply to be mindful of what you are thinking, to stay aware, stay observant, pay attention to what you are thinking. The two law of attraction principles I've discussed today apply to anything you want to attract in your life. Relationships are very important for people and most people I work with want a great relationship. However, we can turn around our finances, our health, and any area of our life by becoming aware of our core beliefs around those areas. Belief is really powerful, and this is why it's important to look both at our conscious and unconscious or subconscious beliefs. Conscious beliefs, once again, are more easily identified. 
There might be a belief such as, I believe if I eat healthy, I will lose weight. That's an example. An unconscious belief is deeply embedded and not so easy to detect. It might be something like, if I lose weight, I will be more attractive to the opposite sex and therefore more vulnerable to being hurt. And a subconscious belief like that can prevent somebody from losing weight. In these two examples, it is the subconscious belief that will win out when a person attempts to lose weight. They may eat really healthy, but still can't lose weight. They may try every diet in the book and still not lose that weight. And if they do lose weight, they can't keep it off. This is because they carry the subconscious belief that the extra weight protects them from being hurt. If you really want to make permanent changes in your life and attract what you really say that you want, then you will have to become a detective and discover what's really going on on the inner realms. If you need help doing this self-discovery, remember that I'm here to be of service and always happy to help you transform your life to become your greatest self. Meanwhile, you may be interested in my Healing Core Wounds audio hypnosis program, which you can download from my website at NarcissismFree.com. You simply go to the website and click on the audio hypnosis programs at the top of the page, and you'll see the option to order the Healing Core Wounds program, which you can download for under $20. It's, it's really worth the investment. Hypnosis is really a powerful way to influence the subconscious mind and change beliefs. When working with an audio hypnosis program, you're combining the power of hypnosis along with the power of repetition, which are the two most powerful ways to influence the subconscious mind. Listening to an audio hypnosis program for 30 days which is how long it takes to change a habit, is a great way to make positive changes in your life. So I want to thank you for listening today. I hope that this episode has been helpful. And for more information on my work, please go to NarcissismFree.com. Have a great day, and I'll see you in the next podcast. 